Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you all. Uh, The thing that makes church church is the people. And these verses here in Thessalonians are full of so much family language. One of the challenges in a relatively large church like this is to keep that sense of family alive. What we've been doing in our evening services uh, a little bit recently is as we start uh, our teaching, we've got a chance to connect with those people around us, usually some kind of idea that ties us into the theme of what we're going to be thinking about. So here's something to get you thinking and also to get you knowing the people who you spend Sunday morning with. I'd like you to talk to someone near you about this. A good or even the best present or gift that you have ever received. Okay? A good or even the best present that you have ever received. Okay? We want to know who, what it was, uh, who did you get it from, and why was it any good? And if you're miles away from anyone or it's tricky or whatever, chatting to anyone, don't worry, it's fine. You can have the thought in your mind. But if you can find someone near you, perhaps someone you don't know, uh, you can have that brief conversation. Okay? You've got two minutes. So one minute one way, one minute the other way. Okay, here we go. One of you is, is finished. You've got to switch around to the other person so you get the other one. All right. Okay. So, so there we go. That's, a, that's another starter for 10. Everyone in this room has thought about their favorite gift. You're wondering what to talk to someone afterwards. They've definitely already, they're already prepped for that afterwards. Okay, fantastic. Now hold that thought. Hold that thought. We are continuing in our series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. And the reason we're doing this Here, it's our kind of hope, whenever we open the inspired word of God, we're hoping that we're going to understand more about God, what it means to live for him in this world today. 
If you, if you missed the previous installments, we give you a little bit of background. The Apostle Paul, he was a gospel entrepreneur, if you like. Not long after Jesus rose uh, and ascended, Paul traveled around the Mediterranean. He shared uh, the basic message of Christ with the people. Sometimes he stayed only a, a few weeks in a place before he moved on, started churches everywhere. And to keep those churches going in his absence, he would write letters to them. And so that's what we've got here, a letter that he wrote to that church. So if being Christian uh, is like driving a car, reading 1 Thessalonians is like shadowing a, a garage mechanic for a day, okay? It's sort of a chance to see the inner workings of someone who is thinking, how do we keep this ministry going? But that's a really helpful thing for us to do because it helps us understand what actually does it mean to follow Christ ourselves. And the big idea that I would love to share with you is this one that comes in the first verse that we looked at today. The word that works. The word that works. Verse 13. We also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, says Paul to the Thessalonians, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. You may be wondering, what gift was I thinking of? Uh, I I had to think about this the other day for a sermon in the evening, and um, the gift that came to mind for me was my first iPad. Okay, it was the uh, it was the days when tablets were only ever things that you put in your dishwasher or swallowed for your health or wrote Ten Commandments on. Uh, And uh, iPads weren't even on sale in this country. Uh, but my very generous wife uh, bought me one in, in the US. And I'm a bit of a gadget person, and like most gadget people, I put some virtuous gloss over why I desperately needed this gadget, because obviously, you know, I was going to destroy so many trees by printing out my sermons if I didn't have an iPad. So obviously, this was a good thing. Uh, and I think Emily knew me well enough to realize that was probably not really a particularly sort of true and and, and genuine uh, justification, but she loves me. And so she got me this very generous gift. And of course, I received it with great joy. Can I just clarify? She didn't go to the States just to get me an iPad. She she was there already. She was there already. Uh, And actually, uh, still going, you know, all my kind of sketchy gadget purchases, I have actually made good use of it, although this is a few generations down. Um, Now, That kind of idea, that gift receiving, those are the kind of terms that we have described here. Paul speaks to the Thessalonians about their faith like that. It's like a gift. They received the word of God. So what was this gift, first of all? He says, the word of God. Now, that can mean a number of different things in the New Testament. Sometimes it means the whole of the the written word, the scriptures. Um, Sometimes the word of God is used to describe Jesus, the ultimate kind of living message. Here, I think the word of God, it's it's talking about the basic message of the gospel, the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. He'd come, he died for our sins, he was raised to new life, now Lord over our lives. That's what they had received. Now, who had they got this gift from? Well, Paul makes a point here of describing that it simultaneously came from two directions. It was, on the one hand, a, a word which you heard from us. So it was verbally transmitted. It required one person talking to another, needed passing on, still needs passing on today. Perhaps the Lord has placed you in the life of your children or your your colleague uh, or your friends to pass on the basic message. 
But on the other hand, he also wanted to say they accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, as it actually is. Now, that's a thought. It's a thought as soon as we begin to explore a little bit what happened in the early church. I don't know whether you ever had a chance to read the book of Acts. It's a, it's a thrilling read. I'm reading it with my kids at the moment. Just so much drama. One of the striking things is the early church spread so quickly with so little human infrastructure. Uh, if, uh, if you think about it like this, imagine you, you, you start a new job. Probably when you start a job, you get an, an induction period, you know, a couple of weeks or something like that. I had an induction in this role, uh, stretched out over a couple of months. If, if Emmanuel Croydon was 2,000 years back and in the northern Mediterranean, and you'd hired the Apostle Paul instead of me, as a thought, um, by the time the induction period was over, he would have planted a church and left. That's, what, that's the kind of thing that was going on. It was three weeks he was in Thessalonica, and they're like, right, brilliant, I'm going to move on now. Church already there. How? How did this church grow so quickly? One reason, perhaps, was that people accepted the message that he spoke about Jesus as a message from God. You know, they might have had so many really reasonable, legitimate questions. We might have them today. But somehow those questions seemed to fade because they sensed this message carries the authority, the power, the impact of God himself. And you know, that's such an obvious thing on one level, but I think it actually bears asking. I wonder, do you experience it that way yourself? You know, that wonderful song that we've just uh, been singing that Stu and others wrote that tells the story of the gospel of Jesus. Do you receive that uh, just something on a sort of human channel? Or do you sense that these are the, this is the message of God? I had the privilege of uh, conducting uh, the wedding uh, of David uh, and Anushka. Anushka is um, Jamie uh, Beaumont's daughter. And um, that was on Friday. And uh, during the signing of the register, there was uh, some background music, um, as, as often is the case. But just before we started, the best man said to me, look, you need to explain this music is actually written by the groom and, and performed by him for her. So uh, now if I hadn't said that, I guess we could all have listened to it and just thought, okay, that's, that's some kind of music out there. Once you understand it was personal from him to her, that changes everything about how you understand it. And so it is with us and the gospel, when we sense it is God's message of love, his love song, actually, to us. So they received it as the word of God, as it actually was. And indeed, the impact seems to have been really huge. So the verse goes on, you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. It says the word was at work. Now, that's quite unusual. I don't know whether you've often seen those words together, the word at work. What did he mean by that? I think Paul was trying to say the gospel is, you know, like a seed that you plant and then you step back and it grows. Or 
in my world, this is a more uh, common occurrence, like when there's complete mess on the floor and you get one of those very powerful cleaners and you sort of pour it all over and then you step back and it does its work and starts to lift all the crud off whatever you've just half destroyed. It was a gift that had started to work almost without human intervention. Now, I guess the obvious question is, you know, we're, we're Christians here. We, we're expecting that word to work amongst us. How does it work? What might it have done? Perhaps it had worked a change in people's characters and their lifestyle. Perhaps Paul had seen a new contentment in people. Perhaps someone who was given to lying suddenly was really uh, convicted about being honest in his work. Uh, perhaps there was a depth of relationship and connection between people who were otherwise not really, uh, didn't have anything to do with one another. Perhaps it was a strength of conviction. People were making really radical decisions. They were risking their reputation to take a stand for Christ. Perhaps they were being really generous with their finances. Whatever else it may have been about, if we read on here, we get at least one dimension that was definitely the case. The way it was at work is that the Thessalonian Christians survived under persecution. They survived under persecution. So verse 14 says... For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, that's over in Jerusalem, near Jerusalem, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. One of the reasons why Paul ended up going around the Mediterranean is because he got kicked out of everywhere that he shared the gospel. Um, that people didn't like it, so he went to the next place and started a church there, and so on it went on. And actually, if we read, and it, it's, it's, it's thrilling stuff in the book of Acts, when Paul comes to Thessalonica, there were mob riots in Thessalonica because of his ministry. Some of the local Jews had become Christians, and that must have left those who hadn't become Christians even more furious. Uh, and so they went after Paul and Silas. They tried to look for them. I don't know, these guys managed to sort of hide in a cupboard or something. They weren't found. So uh, the mob went after the next most likely people. They gathered some Christians who they knew had recently come to faith. Uh, a poor chap, we're told, named Jason, who had host, hosted um, Paul and Silas, and they dragged them out in front of the um, authorities, uh, accused them of trying to overturn Caesar, because they, they now were talking about this, this king called Jesus. And yet, here is Paul writing to them, Sometime later, they'd kept going after that. I mean, you know, we can only imagine Jason's wife, you know, Jason comes home after having been beaten up, you know, and, and Mrs. Jason says, you know, so do you think perhaps it might be a good idea to stop this Christian thing that you're doing? You know, we don't really, really want to get beaten up again. Well, apparently, Jason had just carried on. In fact, this church was a model. They'd kept going. That's the way the word had been at work in them. Now, let me give us a brief sidebar here. Um, compared to the Thessalonians, of course, we have immense freedom to follow Christ, to meet together. It's wonderful. But if not all believers in the world have the same situation. One of the things that we have the immense privilege is through our mission committee, we're connected with believers in situations of real hardship. Uh, we partner with international needs and support a guy, for example, called Pastor Nathan. He's in Egypt. Some of us will know about him. If, if his name is new to you, but you've been here for a while, definitely take an interest. Uh, Pastor Nathan saw 
his own father brutally murdered in front of him as a child. And uh, he had to wrestle with the massive urge to, to take revenge on, on his father's killers. But he found the resources to forgive them in the Lord. And in fact, he went on to minister to the very village where all of this happened. Last month, pr- prayer at the center, he, he came and joined us. He'd been teaching 12 hours all day in Egypt uh, on one of his training uh, courses. So it was 11 p.m. in Egypt, and he was there bubbly and just loving it. So, oh, it's fantastic to be here to pray with you uh, on, on Zoom. Uh, full of enthusiasm to, co- to come and pray for his, his work. It's a huge privilege to see how the Lord is at work amongst those who do suffer great persecution. Uh, I encourage you, by the way, if you get a chance to connect personally with him or come and hear updates like that, Prayer at Center happens every month. It's a great place to hear that. It's really worth doing. And he's not the only one who we have in, uh, we're supporting in places where it's hard to be a Christian. So there we go. That's, that's one way that the word was at work. So what about us as uh, a church family? Individually, how could we see the word at work in our lives? One of the memories that still stands out uh, for me from my time at theological college was when uh, our vice principal stood up and and he he said this. It was a lovely turn of phrase. He said, "I'm so looking forward to seeing what the word of God does in your lives. I'm so looking forward to seeing what the word of God does in your lives." Now. In those kind of environments, someone in that position, you could easily expect them to sort of behave a little bit like a guru and sort of say a little bit, you know, I'm I'm so looking forward to when you get up to somewhere near where I am, you know, and hopefully you'll make, you know, you'll get somewhere near. But he was saying something different. He's saying, I'm expecting the word of God to do much more in your lives than I can even imagine right now. So instead of being the coach, it was almost like he was saying, I'm looking forward, I'm sitting on the spectator's bench. And I'm just going to see this thing happen. What a thrill. Well, how about thinking about our church like that? There is huge latent potential here. Lots of realized potential as well, but huge latent potential. What will the word do amongst us? Out at the back there, I love pointing to that, that board. There's a bunch of people who basically headed out at the beginning of the last century to different places all the way around the world because they were convicted by the need to share the gospel. Huge sacrifice. The word did its work in their lives. What will he do in our generation? How can we join in that? Perhaps you're in a small group. Perhaps for you, there's a a new prayer here. Lord, what what will you do? What will the message that you have given us do? How will it be at work amongst our little group here? We've got mayhem. We've got rendezvous coming up uh, this, this summer great opportunity for the word to do its work. Please, please pray for us or or get involved if you can. And let's just pray that in the midst of all the games and activities for both of those things, the gospel gets, goes out. We long for everyone to hear clearly that there is a God who loves them. You know, that sin separates us from him, that in Jesus' death on the cross, he was pierced for our forgiveness, that we need to respond to that. We long for people to be able to respond to that. We want to share that message. And finally, uh, let me share something uh, this morning specifically for parents and grandparents. Now, I realize that's not, it doesn't apply to everyone, but I don't usually say anything that specific. So I want to just have a little bit of a focus on that. 
I've asked Joe Lines to uh, come up and join me. So, Joe, uh, will, you, will you just join me here? Because Joe has just uh, completed uh, a course that we've been running here called Raising Faith. Uh, and this is part of the way that we help uh, parents and grandparents see the word at work in their lives. So just tell us, tell us about Raising Faith. What was it? What happened? Go for it. Okay. So we've just finished um, our first Raising Faith course, which is a six-week parenting course run by the great organisation Care for the Family, and it was facilitated by myself and Natasha Burt. We ran it for six evenings in the Watley Room, and over the whole course, we had 13 different people come along. Now, some were grandparents, some were from Emmanuel, and some were from our outreach groups that we run, like Toddlers and Bumps, and one person just looked online and sent me an email, and then she came along too. And it was also great to have mums and dads, sometimes we had both together, sometimes just one of them. And the aim of the sessions was to help parents develop ideas as to how they could inspire their children's faith in everyday life, equipping them, encouraging them um, to feel confident in their role of nurturing faith in their own children. And then we talked about practical ideas about how to do this. Um, We had a great time sharing our experiencing, supporting each other, learning from each other. Um, There's loads I could share um, with you about what um, we discovered, but I've just picked out a couple of things. That we, as parents, have the greatest influence in our children's lives. And we were talking earlier about imitating, um, especially at a young age, our young children imitate us. We're their role models that we can weave faith into the simple everyday moments of life. We weren't there to create new things for the parents, but just in the everyday things. How can we drip feed God and our spiritual faith into their lives? That we don't know everything. And I think that was a big thing for us all. You know, we don't have to know everything. It's okay to make mistakes. Um, We're not experts. And the last session, I think, was particularly poignant for me. It was like how to make our children feel they belong in church and make them want to come. And, you know, is there, and it made me think about Emmanuel, is there a way that we could encourage our children to be more part of serving here? Maybe being on the welcoming door, the tech team, come up and be part of the beginning of the service. Because as when children feel involved, they feel valued for their contribution And church becomes a place where they connect, feel they belong, and therefore want to come. Because after all, the church is God's great idea, God's gift to us. One huge family where we all belong, serve, and get involved, whatever age we are. And so if you're a parent thinking, oh, I wish I'd come on that course, um, we hopefully will run another one at some point. Um, and also, hopefully, for the older um, teenage years as well, because we as parents have a great influence in our children's lives. Don't run away. This is a good opportunity, guys, to just say what an amazing privilege it is to have Jo with us. Jo's our family's pastor. She works so hard. Such imagination, energy, creativity. I think it would be great if we could just give her a round of applause. Thank you, Joe. I didn't tell her I was going to do that. But I think it's so important. It's so, what a value to us. And, and if, if you like the sound of that, you missed out, do uh, grab Joe and encourage her to get it started again. Yeah, so just, just to wrap that up, that's such a great opportunity for us, isn't it? Our, our young people and our children, their faith 
If it's going to be theirs, ultimately theirs, of course, it can't be ours. We, we can't reach into their souls. But we can create an environment in which the word can be at work. We can get ourselves to the point where they actually know what the gospel message is. And then they can then choose themselves, whether they accept it uh, or reject it for themselves. And there is actually an enormous amount we can do to craft our lives and our family lives to give the potential for the words to be at work and perhaps see our children shoot well past us. We pray that, don't we? That they were not just in height and health, but actually in spiritual maturity and vision for their lives. All right, well, I hope I've given a little bit of a picture of all the different ways in which the word might be at work, enough to inspire us and to pray. Let's come back to that verse, uh, first verse one last time. And perhaps let's imagine this, spoken to us at Emmanuel Croydon. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that the word, in this case the message of the gospel, would land in us and would land deep in us, would be at work in us, in our gatherings, in our private devotions, our reading of the scripture, in our small groups, in our families, in our marriages, in our friendships, in all of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.